What's popping, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Heliocentric Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Pierre, Pee Wee the Plug, Andreessen. As always, we have a lot to unpack in the NBA world. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind everybody at home, make sure you hit that like button for me. And if you're new and you enjoy this type of content, make sure you subscribe. Also, my audio listeners, wherever you get your audio podcasts or whatever audio platforms you use, head over there, leave this podcast and myself a five-star review. As always, much appreciated. I want to send a lot of love. I know the holiday season is here. Everybody's going to be on a journey, Christmas shopping, traveling, getting to family over these next few weeks. So I just want to send my love to everybody. As always, much, much, much love. Now, for basketball talk, the first thing that we want to talk about um, and address is something that I recently went over and talked a little bit about on my YouTube channel. If you are a subscriber, you might have seen the video. Um, And that's the Detroit Pistons. Now, when I made my video, which was last week, early in a week last week, I was just addressing the fact that the Detroit Pistons were, um, you know, tough to watch. They were a disgrace to the NBA. And it was based off of the fact that they were going a month without a win. They were basically going from October 28th to November 28th without a win. And as the week resumed and the losing continued, Detroit officially went all of November without a win. They went an entire month without a win, not just an entire month, but the first actual full month of the NBA season, they went without a win. Now, usually for me, as an NBA fan, as an NBA media person, when teams have rough patches or they're just not fun to watch, you may just say that. You may just say, man, this team is not fun to watch. I don't even really watch them, and there's nothing much else to say. But I'm not going to lie to y'all. The Detroit Pistons situation is is extremely fascinating to me. And I think I'm going to keep a close eye on this because, number one, Detroit is literally right across the water. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're like I always say, Detroit people are like cousins to, to me. It's like family, Chicago, Detroit, Milwaukee, we just, Ohio, you know, uh, Gary, Indiana. It's just like just this. You know, we're all one damn near. But not besides that fact. I just can't believe the predicament that they're in. Like, it's just the fact that I, a lot of us, nobody's seen this coming. Is ba- is basically what's so baffling to me about the situation is a lot of basketball people and basketball minds expected this team to be a, like a little bit better than this or marginally better than this. And again, I, I say that with caution because nobody expected the Detroit Pistons to be a legitimate playoff team. Um, I think best case scenario, they just shocked the world and was playing teams uh, or a playing team. But I think a lot of people thought that this team would improve from their previous year. I don't think that we thought that they would have another year like they just came out of, especially with the fact that Kay Cunningham is healthy. You have Monty Williams, a new coach who is one in Phoenix. And we saw the turnaround that they had, you know, um, Jalen Duran and, and, and Jaden Ivey with another year under their belts. There are a lot of positive um, arrows pointing in the direction of this team being better than the previous year. And 20 games into the season, 17 game losing streak currently, and a schedule ahead of them where the only team that they possibly on paper record wise can match up with and, and get a win is maybe the next game, which is the Grizzlies. And the thing about the NBA, first and foremost, I'll say it, it it's, it's no secret. Anybody can be anybody on any given day. Doesn't matter the roster. Doesn't matter the record. Don't matter if you're at home. There's there's always that swingers chance in the nba because all of these guys are professional players you can get a random guy that you never heard of uh decide to drop 35 and get a win over a team that's at the top of their conference you know so it's not that the pistons will never ever get a win again we we are understanding that they are going to get a win but when you look at their their schedule and the road that they have ahead of them legitimately in the month of december for them to get another win unless somebody's going to rest Unless some teams are going to say, hey, we don't take them serious. So we're just going to allow, you know, our stars to get a breather, um, you know, because we don't really care. Unless something like that happens, you have the Grizzlies you play on Wednesday who are at the bottom of the West, but they're still a better team than you. And sometime in December, you have the Jazz who have not been playing really good basketball also at the bottom of the West, but still technically 
are better than you. So that's where this thing gets a little scary. You're already on a 17-game losing streak. You go into a month where majority of these games are tough. And you could see yourself potentially going in another <laughs> entire month without winning. I wouldn't hope that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't hope that on any fan base. Um, I wouldn't hope that on any player. That that That's a tough rock bottom to hit. Potentially going two months without a win. Um, even if they did get one win in the month of December, I think that would still be disheartening. I think this team needs a few wins. This team needs about two or three wins um, to really, to really potentially get themselves out of the the bottoms um, of of the bottoms. They're already at the bottom. They're probably going to bottom out as as a team. But like to to have some type of morale boost, I think they need a few wins. One win in the month of December to like break a streak, or it's not going to be enough. You already see frustrations kind of boiling up. Jaden Ivey and his people obviously are kind of confused and aren't happy with his role. That was obvious and didn't need to be said. But now there's rumors that's coming out that the front office is kind of unhappy with the amount of usage that Monty Williams is using Jaden Ivey in. So I don't, you know, that that's another conf- conflict. Um, and behind all of this, Kay Cunningham is kind of playing some decent basketball. It's hard to say good or great basketball because – they're on a 17-game losing streak. Um, and that's another thing that I, I feel like is kind of demeaning and, and, and tough for this team is the fact that you have a guy like Kay Cunningham and some of the conversations around his name is going to be is going to be hard to to evaluate. And I was I was talking to and the reason I'm saying I was talking to my dad, and my dad was kind of like, you know, I I'm not surprised. You know, I didn't think anything of Detroit and you know, um, K Cunningham, like they don't even have a guy. Like, is K Cunningham that guy? And I was going back and forth with my pops. I like K Cunningham. He knows I like K Cunningham. Um, but even without the like of K Cunningham, when you just look at the performances he's putting on in, in some of these losses and, and the numbers, um, he's kind of out there by himself. And again, it's very hard to evaluate from both sides. It's hard to it's hard to it's hard to say that he's that guy. But I also think on a flip flip side, it's hard to really say he's not that guy. So now we're in a situation where we have a number one overall pick that we're trying to evaluate. Who is this guy? How good is he? You know, does he make teammates better? Is this a legitimate thing where we look at him and it's a reflection of him? Hey, man, you can't even get a win for your team. Do we put that on him? Do we not? Do we consider the fact that the spacing is terrible, that nobody else on the team is even close to averaging what he's averaging? There's nobody can take any pressure off of him. You know what I mean? Like, do we take that? Like, how do we really gauge and look at Kay Cunningham, a number one overall pick in his third year? How do we gauge him? That's another situation that comes that comes about um, with this situation that's going on. You look at the fact that you go against the Washington Wizards last week, which this is really made me make my video. That was a game that you were supposed to win. The, the winning streak, I mean, the losing streak stops right there. You play the Wizards at home, and that was a game I thought the Pistons could win and would win. And I thought the conversation would then turn to the Wizards, and it would be time to, you know, talk about Kyle Kuzma being traded. And, you know, is Jordan Poole a guy that they're sticking around for long term? Or are the rumors of him potentially being traded again um, if if possible, is that true? Like, you know, Tyus Jones getting a new home. I thought that was going to be the conversation. But instead, Detroit loses by 20 at home to a Washington Wizard team that Kyle Kuzma himself said, hey, we can't guard a stop sign. And somehow you lose by 20 at home to that team. It's tough to wrap your mind around it. And again, I feel for Detroit Piston fans. Shout out to my guy, Naron. But it's just like, it's it's a disservice to the league to be this bad because fandom isn't something that's a given. Neron and and all other Detroit Pistons fans they don't owe the Pistons anything, you know what I'm saying? And and I don't want to make it seem like the Pistons fan, the Pistons owe them directly anything, but I do think that franchises owe their fans some type of commitment to trying to put out the best product and formulate some type of foundation. But when you think about the Detroit Pistons, and I'm going to read some things off for y'all that I wrote down. Over the last 14 years, or the last 14 seasons, for the Detroit Pistons, eight of them, they've had 50 or more losses. They've had 65 losses in a season. 
Understand that. In the last 14 years, eight, majority, eight, more than half of those seasons, they've had 50 or more losses. And when you look at the start of a season and the first full month, you don't have a win. That tells me that you're you're going down the same the same road. So that means we have another 50 loss season ahead of us, which would mean nine seasons of 50 or more losses in the last 15 years. If they continue down this path, there's a lot of basketball left to play. I'll give them that. But based off what I'm seeing, it looks like they're headed down the path for another 50, 50 uh, loss season. Excuse me. And it's it's extremely pathetic because, again, you have these picks where you're able to get K. Cunningham. I was there for that. I've seen the excitement of the fan base. Extremely happy to get Cade and Cade embracing the city. He's at the draft night with the buffs on. Um, and this is a big win for them because the Killian Hayes pick didn't really seem to have made the impact that you thought it would. Not even close, if we're being honest. And so to bounce back from that and to get Kay Cunningham, and then after Kay Cunningham, you get Jaden Ivey and you get Jalen Duran. Um something was something was positive brewing. And then you bounce back after that and get Monty Williams, who, you know, is a respected coach. And as a Detroit Pistons fan base, when you look at what he did in Phoenix and the success that he had there. You get excited. It's like, oh, okay, we we want to have that type of turnaround. Well, we could be a team that's known for, you know, having some losing seasons, known for struggling. We get our guy. Can Kay Cunningham kind of be our Devin Booker? And we can kind of build around that. And, you know, Jalen Duran, Ivy, we can we can formulate something and we can head into a direction where maybe not immediately we turn it around, but we start to see steady growth and improvement. And then, boom, before you know it, we're a playoff team. And then, okay, cool. And now we come back and we're we're a competitive playoff team. Or then, or then now we can win a series. And you know what I mean? Like, that's what Detroit fans were looking for. That's what they were hoping for. You pay a coach $80 million and you get 17-game losing streak. And the first official month of the season, you don't get a win. It, it, it's just hard to wrap your mind around. I just don't know. And I've, I said it in the other video. I don't know where you go from here. Like, even in a 2K world where you're rebuilding a team, I don't know what they do. They might at some point have to bite the bullet of saying, hey, we we overpaid my. But and, and even then, that's tough because, you know, they're not going to fire Monty Williams. You know, they're not because they're they're so concerned about the response and the look of that and the the humility that will come with the media and the backlash. Because I, I won't lie, if they fire Monty Williams, I would probably make a video about it. You probably hear about it on the heliocentric. Yeah, you 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 probably get laughed at for a little bit, but that comes with that comes with the territory. But if it can lead you down to a different path, if it can give your fan base and and, and your franchise um, some clarity, a, a breath of fresh. If you can just say, "Hey, we 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 messed up," I think sometimes for franchises that's the best thing. You know, when you make that wrong draft pick, instead of trying to really make this dude be that guy that you thought you drafted, sometimes it's better to just not waste any more time and say, hey, we just made the wrong pick. We're going to pivot. You know what I mean? We're going to let him go. We're going to trade him or we're going to not bring him back um, on a rookie extension. And we're just going to say, hey, we made the wrong pick. We, we, we messed up. But we, let's wash our hands and let's move on. I think the same thing can be be that way for coaching. It's just that y'all gave him 80 million. He's he's one of the richest coaches. And it's funny because him and Greg Popovich, two of the two of the highest paid coaches in the league, uh, they're combined five for 36 right now. The only difference is one is Greg Popovich. The other is Monty Williams. No disrespect to Coach Monty. Like him, respect him. But he's no Greg Popovich. And their roster doesn't have a Victor Wimbiama who they can be, quote unquote, patient with. So, um, yeah, Detroit. Hopefully they can get this win against the Grizzlies on Wednesday. I mean this this winning this losing streak. I keep saying winning streak. This losing streak is just so bad. You you really have to understand. We're barely talking about the, the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs are on a fourteen game losing streak themselves. You don't really hear anybody talking about it because the attention is on the the Pistons. The Spurs are not that good right now. The Spurs almost went the entire month of losing um, in November as well. 
I think they had one win in November, which was November 2nd, the beginning of November. The rest of November, they took L's. No one batted an eye. No one blinked at it. Outside of Spurs fans, I'm I'm sure Spurs fans and Spurs podcasts are probably talking about it and diving in. But like I've really been seeing and hearing conversations about the Pistons. And I think it's rightfully so, because at least the Spurs have Greg Popovich. At least they have Vic. Um, The Pistons. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, I really just don't know. And I think I think that's what fascinates me personally. Is the fact that somebody as opinionated as me, somebody who knows as much basketball as I like to say I know, some somebody who is intrigued with trying to fix and figure out things from a GM perspective. I would love to be a GM one day, um, which is partly why I've done 2K rebuilds. It's not because I, I love playing 2K, but it's just because I love the the exercise of trying to rebuild a team and, and use realistic approaches. I look at the Pistons and I, I I just don't even know where I would start. There is no like. There is nothing you can really hang your hat on, you know what I mean? Like and and, and I would love to I want to open up the comments for that. Piston fans, non-Piston fans, like realistically speaking, ladies and gentlemen, if you can let me know in the comments where you would start with the Pistons. Are you firing Monty Williams? Do you think that's an embarrassing bad look and you just bite the bullet and say, hey, we at least got to keep him for two years. We have to keep him for two years. We can't give you $80 million. And in the first month of the season, we're saying no. We we can't cut ties with you. Do you just let him finish the year? Do you think a year is too, too premature? How do you feel about Kay Cunningham? Not that you wouldn't keep him, but like, do you feel like he he's going to force his way out, <laughs> sign a rookie extension, and then halfway through the first year of that, it's like, hey, I request a trade. <laughs> Jaden Ivey. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think of him as a player? I don't even know what to think. And then and now he's frustrated. So, uh, you know, I, I know I know everybody loves Asar Thompson. Everybody loves Asar Thompson. Um, but, yeah, I just don't, you know, you, you had a chance to trade Bogdanovich last year. They were rumored to have teams that were so interested in him that they would have gave you two first round picks obviously both of those first round picks wouldn't be super 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 lucrative you're not gonna get two top five picks but still two first round picks is two first round picks now he just played his first game you still lost i don't know how much his value is has a calf injury and he's only getting older i don't know if you're getting two picks for him anymore can alec burks get you a first round pick you move both of those and you just continue to load up on the future assets i don't know because your draft history doesn't make me super confident. It doesn't. Um, so, yeah, let me know in the comments, man. Please, please, please. The Detroit Pistons is something, again, like I said, I'm probably not going to talk about them to this extent, every podcast. But I'm definitely, as a fan of the game, I'm going to be watching them. I think they have been a disgrace to the NBA. I, I think they have been. I think they're a talented team um, individually in a lot of different ways. T- collectively, the talent has not shown um, I respect their players. I respect their coaches. Um, but again, collectively, it hasn't been it. And I think in today's game, in 2023, with as much talent as we have in a league right now with so much parity, a team being this bad, this bad, to me is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. When you figure out how much money cities put into teams for arenas and staffing for arenas and, you know, a new parking lot, uh, you know, all of these new things that go into sponsoring and, 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 you know, investing in a team, a 17 game losing streak in the first month is unacceptable. And I would encourage fans to understand that, you know, it's not just 2k. It's not, this is a real world. And I'm saying that because I'm I'm here in Chicago and the Bears, Bears haven't really been that good. But you know what they're talking about in our city? Building a new stadium. <laughs> and, and when you see the money and the amounts that go into making a new stadium, we're going to move it from here. We're going to put it over there. It's like, hold up. Why? Before y'all do that, y'all should win some games. Show us as people in the city or a part of the community, why it's worth that. 
And one of the, the solutions is to put the, the stadium around me. I'm on the outskirts of Chicago in the suburbs. They want to put it around our suburbs. Hold up. Before y'all do that and, and create commotion and where we at and traffic for us on every Sunday, win some games. I just encourage y'all to look at that. I be seeing, I, you know, I get the newspaper and I see the, the, the conversations. I read certain articles. And man, the, the amounts of money. I'm going to see if I can Google the amounts of money that go into just a stadium alone. And we're not even talking about the practice facility. You know, a lot of teams have practice facilities that's off base from the arenas. Um, that the, the money is just crazy. I'm just saying Bears new stadium price. Five billion retail and residential development. <laughs> Five billion dollars investment into investing into um, a new arena for a team that I that hasn't really been worth wild or worth watching in a long time. They 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 can't. We don't even know. We don't even have a solution to the coaching problem, and we're trying to put five billion dollars into a stadium. Don't make sense to me. Um, speaking on a subject, staying on the subject of teams that come from losing, um, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls have had a rocky start to the season. We all know very. Very uh, topical team. They were a team that was talked about a lot before Pistons started their losing streak or whatnot. The Bears have won. Uh, the Bulls have won two games in a row, and usually that wouldn't be a big deal. Wouldn't really probably speak on that. We'd probably say, "Hey, congrats to the Bulls, Kenny. Your, your team is winning some games. I'm happy for you." The the telling part about this is there is no Zach Levine. Right? They beat the Bucks. They beat the the Pelicans. Zach Levine hasn't played in both. I believe DeMar DeRozan didn't play in the very first win against the Bucks. The more impressive win, in my opinion. And I think the Bulls may be on to something. This may be the sign and the writing of the, on the wall of, of pressing the button. Press the panic button. If, if there was never any other indication that the time was now, the past two games may be it. And again, two games don't mean nothing. I'm not saying that the Bulls are going to go on a crazy win streak and turn their season around. But just the feeling of the Bulls right now over these last two games without a Zach Levine. And again, no disrespect to Zach. No disrespect to DeMar DeRozan. I'm just going off what my eyes are telling me. And the Bulls look to be having more fun. They look to be a little bit more free. And they just beat two teams that I believe on any given night I'm picking to beat the Bulls. Not only beat the Bulls, but shit, beat the hell out of the Bulls. To beat the Bucks was impressive. Caruso, game time shot. You're going to overtime. They play the asses off overtime. Uh, Vucevic, uh, Vucevic um, Kobe White, Pat Williams, Ayo. Really, really impressive. Vuce had a really good game in that game. And then the second game against the Pelicans, you get DeMar DeRozan to come back. He had a really impressive game. Kobe White stood out um, big time with 31 points, eight, eight assists, six rebounds. Uh, really, really good. Another good performance from Io. Patrick Williams, solid. But it's kind of showing you that there's something there and there's some some growth from these players that could potentially be under the surface um, with the move from DeMar and Zach Levine. And Bulls fans have echoed that. That's been the part that Bulls fans are like, hey, maybe we have. So I want to see what we have with these guys and what they would look like with more responsibility. What does Kobe White really look like? What does Patrick Wood like? They really want to see the growth in Patrick Williams, if I'm being honest. They want to see those steps. They want to see more shot attempts. They want to see him being more aggressive. That can't ever happen if he's sharing the floor with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. I'm just being honest. Patrick Williams isn't cut from that type of cloth to say, hey, DeRozan, watch out. It's my turn or it's my time. He's just not that guy. So you may have to really remove those guys and force him into that role. And Bulls fans are begging and are, are, are starving for that sight of Patrick Williams having that type of responsibility and role on his team just so they can know truly who he is. Because he shows flashes and he's a likable player and he's still extremely young. Um, so for them to, to be in the situation and have just, just the feeling, it's not about the results, but the feeling of like upbeatness, I think, uh, I think it, I think it shows that it's time and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the Bulls are, are ready to, to make the moves, um, on the through the wire podcast, Kenny put out the, uh, theory that Zach Levine may be sitting out because there may be a trade, um, in place for him when we hit December 15th, which is right around the corner. 
and maybe they don't want to they don't want to try anything and, and have, have him get a real significant injury or, or anything to kind of mess up the potential trade out there. That's not a fact. This is all speculation. But I think I wouldn't be mad at that for the Bulls. I wouldn't be. And I, I do think that the Bulls have to allow themselves to be realistic a little bit. Zach Levine does have to ha- have a hefty contra- contract. There is a small market for him. Um, apparently, there's little to no market, but I don't believe that. I believe there is a team that will bite the bullet. Somebody like the Lakers, of course. Um, and I don't think that the Bulls can play the Daryl Morey game where they're trying to hold out for the best Zach Levine package or the best DeMar DeRosa package. I think it's just more about getting some assets back, getting something back, and really seeing what you have with your guys, getting getting out of the handcuff of that money on Zach Levine, and and really just accepting the fact that you have a new era. And um, at the end of the season, you do whatever you want to do with Billy Donovan, whether that's bring him back. I heard apparently he's not on the hot seat. That's very hard to believe that this team has been awful. Um, so I hope, I hope that they are looking at the coaching landscape as much as they're looking at their roster. Not not saying that I want anybody to be fired, but to say that he is not on a hot seat or to say that he's safe, bit of a head scratcher to me. This team has not performed. Nobody in the Bulls organization should be comfortable right now, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that that that's my little spiel on the Bulls. Probably probably rare to really talk about the Bulls or dive in, but I, I, I was impressed. Um, the last two games, I caught both late games because, again, I'm going into these games not really looking at the Bulls as the team I really want to tune into. But to catch the ending of these games and to see them pull them out, uh, very impressive because that Pel- the Pelicans game was really was really a one. Uh, well, both games, obviously, but I definitely thought the Pelicans would, uh, would, would Zion and Brandon Ingram, I thought they would, they would close that out. But the Bulls said, nah. Um, another thing we got to talk about and in connection to the Bulls, again, the Bucks, real briefly. Yeah, the Buck, the Bulls beat the Bucks, and it's 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 20 games to the season. But the the Bucks defense, man, it's concerning. It it really is concerning. <laughs> when you lose to a Bulls team and you give up that many points to a Bulls team that didn't have DeMar or Zach Levine, it, it it's it's mind-boggling. You know, it's hard to think of them as an elite contending team realistically we give them that respect because they do have Damian Lillard and they do have Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez like when you have that type of team with those names on paper you have to give them the respect they've earned that right to get respect like that but when you actually look at them it concerns me you're 21st in defense and you're not elite at anything on that side of the floor you don't cause turnovers you guard the three-point line averagely you really don't you really don't rebound as good as I think you should. A front court of Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, having Bobby Porter's come off the bench, that team should be rebounding a lot better, in my opinion. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds. They don't close out possessions, which is the most important thing to do in the game of basketball on defense. You know what I mean? That's more impressive than blocks. It's just close simply guarding your man, forcing a tough shot, and closing out the p- possession is way more effective. Than, than mostly anything else on the defensive end. Obviously, you would love to get steals. They don't do that. They don't force turnovers. So the next best thing for them is to just guard solidly and rebound the basketball, which, again, they're having a, a tough time doing. Um, they give up the most shots in the game of anybody in the season, uh, anybody in the league. The only elite thing that they do is block shots. They're third in blocks. Outside of that, there's not really anything. They don't foul a ton, but, again, Everything else is either below average or average. There's not too many things. There, there is. There literally is only one thing that they do elite, and again, that's block shots. So, I'm concerned with the Bucks defense. We're getting to that point in the season where it's not like just early. We're we're about 20 games in. We're getting closer and close. These games are flying. We're about to enter the end season tournament um, today and tomorrow. But the season is moving along. We're already here in December. Before you know it, we'll be in January. 
and we'll be around January 15th where guys on contract extensions can be traded. Like we're the season is kind of flying. A lot is happening. So I think we don't realize how fast it's moving because there's so many different storylines and topics. And you have this team on a 17 game losing streak. You got this team going into tournament play, the end season tournament. They're eliminated. They're not eliminated. This is the matchup. Uh, this dude had 40. This dude almost had 50. He's playing good. He's playing bad. It's a lot going on. But the season is moving along. It really is. So um, I really do think that the Bucks, the Bucks have some internal discussions and uh, outlooks to, to really dive in on. Because uh, 21st defense, losing and giving up that many points to a Bulls team or any other team is not, is not winning basketball. It's going to be tough to be in the Eastern Conference really competing um, against a Celtics team and a Philadelphia 76ers team when you can't really, uh, when you can't really defend. Just being honest. Um, winning. Let's talk about, we, finally, we can talk about somebody winning. The Orlando Magic recently just had a nine-game winning streak. Obviously, it was closed the other day by the Nets and Mikael Bridges, who had, what, 26 points in the first quarter. Um, still want to give the, the Orlando Magic their flowers. Nine-game winning streak on fire. Um, I believe, what, their second or third or something like that in the Eastern Conference. Um, third defensively. And I want to give a lot of credit to, to Jamal Mosley. Um, just because of the simple fact that a lot of these players on his team are locked in defensively. They're really locked in defensively. They're giving everything that they have. They're third defensively, and they're winning a lot of games on the back of the defense. And I think a guy like Jalen Suggs, we've seen him be able to carve out not only a role, but an identity as a player um, after a few shaky years and a lot of people discussing him and what to expect or how we value or gauge him. To now see him turn that corner and buy into something and really not only buy into it, but to be doing it at a at a at a level that's impacting this team to a high regard, you know, in my, in my opinion. And again, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I know a lot of one, one magic person that hit me up was like, hey, the entire team has taken a leap. No, you haven't. The entire team has not taken a leap. Cole Anthony is playing some of the best basketball or probably the best basketball of his career. But when Magic fans were talking about the Magic prior to this year, and I don't know why this is a hard thing for Magic fans to to fight against or why they don't just, you know, accept the, the, the reality. The hype was we have a really good team. Paolo was coming off a rookie of the year campaign where we probably could see him taking a step and being a 23 to potentially 25-point score, right? And then you have Franz, who has gotten better every single season and is a really good basketball player, maybe he started to be borderline all-star, 22 points per game. Like, that was the conversation. And then it was figuring out a role for Jalen Suggs. Could Markel actually have that MIP season? We've all kind of been thinking that's on the horizon. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was it. None, none of those things have really happened. Paolo is averaging 19 and a half points, which is fine. Um, I think Franz is at 20, which is fine. Markel has been hurt five games in. Same with Wendell. Jalen Suggs did get his identity. And Cole Anthony is having a career season. But I think that you should look at that as like a, a sense of pride. Like, yeah, we're that good without certain things. Because Franz is going to hit that. He's going to hit a certain level. Paolo is going to hit a certain level. I think that goes without being said. It's just that it's not happening now, but it isn't an indication to y'all winning. Y'all are still finding out how to win before these guys take those all-star steps, which I think we can guarantee is going to happen, at least for Paolo. Maybe Franz is one of those best players to never make an all-star. I don't know, but I I would put my money on him being an all-star. And for y'all to be playing the way that y'all are without that happening yet, it's a scary thing for the NBA. But a lot of Magic fans are like, no, we told y'all we were already done. No, 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 no. It's not to discredit y'all. You should be happy and, and applaud. But no Magic fan that I know told me that they would be the second seed on a nine-game winning streak. And I think that that's okay. Y'all did say seven seed, play-in, playoffs. But this is this is amazing. This is this is, this is is something that nobody, in my opinion, had on the horizon. Definitely not me. I had y'all at 12. Magic fans keep keep telling me and reminding me. I'm I'm not hiding from that. I had the magic at twelve. Um, that's my job. I don't. I you know it's not. You're not gonna make me feel no way. But I am proud of Jamal Mosley because I was a big fan of the hiring. Um, when he came from the Dallas Mavericks because I I know the work and relationship that he did with the with the Mavericks and you know the close bond him and Luca had. 
Um, but to see that, but to see this all come together, it's beautiful. It's nothing in the NBA. It's nothing in the NBA. I don't love more than a developmental coach winning, because really the story is they'll take developmental coaches and they'll bring them into these young groups like the Magic, and they'll develop, and then they'll say, "Oh, it's time to bring in a winning coach now. Let's bring in a guy that can kind of get us over the hump." And I think Jamal Mosley is solidifying himself as, hey, we might not need that guy to bring us in over the hump when he's done developing. You know what I mean? He can be the guy that can develop and be here for the over the hump winning. So shout out to the Magic. Um, love young teams that win and, and that are ahead of schedule and ahead of the curve. It just makes the NBA that more exciting and it gives us that much more parity. And when you have these teams that aren't necessarily like free agent destinations, it's beautiful. So shout out to the Orlando Magic. Shout out to the six man show. Um, those are my brothers, and I'm happy to see them every every other day on Instagram or Twitter, just going bonkers because they get another win and another win and another win. That was probably the most exciting thing for me is to see see them guys. And that's why, yeah, I, I randomly will get messages from like magic people or responses, and they're like, Hey, you hating on the magic, you don't like magic. I got two guys that love the magic. The six man show, those are that's family. Why would I root against the, the magic when, when I got guys that bleed blue for the magic? I just have to give my opinion um, and my predictions. And historically, I'm going to be wrong. It's a part of the job. Um, the Rockets, another team that was starting off real good. Now they're kind of slowing down a little bit. We're starting to see the youth kick in. Um, they can't win on the road. They cannot win on the road. They're 0-8. Um, just just had another loss on the road in L.A. in the Staples Center. And it's funny because when this game was coming on, we were in the Discord, and one of my homies, I think it was Terrence, he was like, man, this just feel like the Rockets and Lakers play each other 80 times. Please let me know in the comments if that ain't the most accurate thing. Why does it feel like the Rockets and the Lakers are playing each other constantly? I feel like once a week this team play. <laughs> I know in uh in the full landscape of a season, they probably only play each other what? Twice. I mean, no, not twice. Four times. Twice in Houston, twice in L.A. But I swear, he hit it on the head. It feels like this team matches up. These two teams match up against each other at least 30 times a season. Um, One of the reasons I really brought this topic up is because of the email LeBron situation. And um, I forget the account. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. I wish I could remember the account. Let me try to see while I explain what happened. So apparently in this game. Emay and LeBron. Went back and forth, and uh, Eme got thrown out. And a lot of people in real time was like, man, what was just being said? What happened? Um, you know, what, I wonder what was going on. Okay, Legend Z, yes. Legend Z NBA on Twitter. You've probably seen him a thousand times. He does a really good job. He breaks down the back and forth between players. And um, I think he did. I I really believe this. I'm going to go in here and bring this on a podcast and say it. Um because you can literally see and hear what they're saying. So the the back and forth was basically um, Yudoka saying, stop crying like bitches, man, and stop bitching. And then LeBron basically saying, we're all grown, man. That bitch word ain't cool. And Yudoka is saying, soft-ass boy, stop bitching, acting like you're going to do something. And again, I don't want to go out here and say 1,000% this is what it said, but I am looking and hear and heard some of these things to be true. And that was pretty much it. I think that that was interesting. Um, I like it from a sense that I think Udoka is just trying to trying to use that type of situation to show his team. We ain't scared of nobody. Because after the loss, he was saying, you know, it's very frustrating to see your team kind of get pushed around and punked by a team that's not known for punking people. And I think that was his main goal. And message and idea of what he was doing for his team was yo, yeah, we playing against LeBron James. And I understand a lot of y'all grew up watching LeBron. You know what I'm saying? I know Tari Easton is a big LeBron fan, but hey, we're competing against them now. Don't you we don't have to be scared. We can beat these guys. And I think that's big for the Rockets. I, I I really, really do. I think that's important. I think that's big. I think that's why they brought in veteran people. I don't think that they have to be out there like Dylan Brooks trying to annoy and irritate and really, you know, be this villain. But I definitely think that is a big part of the NBA for young teams and why we constantly see it be a little difficult and hard for for tough to, for young teams to really have success early on because it, the, the NBA is a grind. And it is a time where you have to you have to kind of 
forget who you're playing against, I think. And I, that's an interesting thing and an interesting topic that I think will be really fun to discuss with players or young players. Like, how hard is it to really going into that compete mode against guys that you grew up idolizing, maybe? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it has to be somewhat difficult to not be like, oh my gosh, this is, it's like, nah, I'm going at Brown full throttle. Uh, yeah, I grew up a fan. And it's not that they're not competing, it's not that they're trying to take it easy on Brown or anything like that. But I, I think. You know, it's easy to kind of just be caught up in the fact that you're going against people, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron, Kevin Durant. These are, you know, what I'm saying these are guys that, again, everybody growing up has idolized. And I wonder if if it is difficult, if am, am I overthinking it or are they just not good enough to compete? You know, so that was that was interesting. And I love that from um, Ime. I think that the Rockets, they do they do need a little bit of that. I think this is a team that could be a little bit more grimy, can be a little bit more gritty, can can be tough. And, and not be punked by a Lakers team. And they have potential to to still do something nice this season. They just have to figure out how to win on the road. But I, I believe that there's something there. And that, that's that's really all I had to really say on it. I don't think this is a big deal. I don't think this is something that needs to be deep-dived like you might see some other people do. LeBron and Emei had it back and forth. Not the first time this will happen. Not the last time. You also have to remember LeBron James is – it's peers with a lot of these coaches. You know, you saw the video after the Jazz game where he found out he was older than Will Hardy, the coach of the, the, the Utah Jazz. Well, Ime and him, they, they're peers. They they battled against each other before. When Ime back when he was in the NBA, all of those years ago, LeBron played against him. So there's still some of that stuff there as well. And um, that's actually funny to think about and, and to remember. But um, I, again, all in all, I, I love that from Ime. Sticking up for his team, letting them know, you know, it's okay to pump y'all chest out a little bit and, and really uh really fight for yourselves and not bow down to a Laker team that if you look around the league, ain't nobody else bowing down to these motherfuckers. Um, same type of approach that I would have. MVP ladder. I recently saw the MVP ladder uh from basketball reference, and it was extremely interesting to me. I think we're gonna have another tough MVP battle. Hopefully. One of these guys just keeps dominating the league, and um, it's hard to see anybody really competing with him. But the top three people, you have Jokic. Jokic is averaging 23, 13, and basically 10 assists. Basically averaging a triple-double. I think he's averaging like 9.7, 9.6 assists. Um, but, yeah, 30 points, 13, and 10, 57% from the field, 30% from three, 78% from the free, free throw line. They're third in the West. Obviously, uh, they missed Jamal Murray for a little bit there. And uh, I think they actually missed Aaron Gordon for a little bit as well. Um, but they're still thriving. And when This dude leads the NBA in points, rebounds, and assists. Points, rebounds, and assists. That is insane to me. Points, rebounds, and assists as a center. I don't think we appreciate Jokic enough. I'm going to just be real. I don't think we appreciate Jokic enough. When you really say those things to yourself, points, rebounds, and assists as a center leading the NBA. Mm, mm, mm. Back-to-back MVP, champion, finals MVP. I know he. I know he's a center. Centers are hard for – it's always hard for them to really be out of this world. It's like popularity because they're centers. You know, it's so easy. It's so much easier to fall in love with a guard like a Steph Curry or when Russell Westbrook was averaging his triple doubles or James Harden isolations and things like that. KD scoring, LeBron. It's easy to fall in love with that versus a center. But, man, Jokic is getting it done. Jokic, Jokic don't get enough love and credit. And we talked about Giannis when Giannis was doing this thing, and Giannis is still doing this thing. But when Giannis was winning his finals and his MVPs and defensive player of the years, we were we were having those conversations about him potentially being one of the best players of all time. I think we got to start having that with Jokic. Jokic is already one of the best players of all time. Um, but that center, that center position is backed by a lot of dominant forces. And Jokic is getting up there, man. He's getting up there. He got the ring, he got the finals MVP. The Nuggets look like they ain't slowing down at all. We've seen them win games and, and win without two of his best players. We've seen him win championships with him. He's leading the league in points, rebounds, and assists. Game winners. The defense is going up. Yeah, he's never going to be the uh, rim protector blocking your shot into the fifth uh, row of the stands guy, but it ain't enough to hurt them. Jokic. 
Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. Shit. Um, Embiid, second on the MVP. 32 points per game, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 6.5 assists, 49-31-87. They're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Um, those numbers are monstrous as well. It's actually un- it's kind of unfair that Embiid has to play in the era of Jokic because he's second in the MVP uh, ladder, and he's giving you 32-11-6. and 32-11-6, and six, and it's it's still not the best numbers from the center position. That's crazy. 32-11-6 should be like jaw-dropping. It should be like, what is going on? This is a center doing this. But the guy before him is averaging 30-13-10. And, and he's leading the league in everything. And then last but not least, because I'm only doing the top three for the ladder, uh, Shea is Alexander, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 53% from the field. He's shooting a, a higher percentage than Joel Embiid from the field, <laughs> 36% from three and 93% from the free throw line. The Thunder are second out west. Thunder are second out west. The Timberwolves and Thunder are doing their thing. And here we are, 20 games in, heading into December. We're getting around that part where it's like we have to start looking at things. It's what it is. It's not like just a nice, hot start to the season. Teams are starting to shape themselves into who we should expect them to be. And to see the Thunder thriving and the Timberwolves thriving is a sight to see. But, yeah, Shea Gilders-Alexander, um, all-NBA guard from last year, is now etching himself into that MVP conversation. Might not be this year, but he's he's on his way. He's on his way, him and the, him and the Thunder. They're on their way. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting MVP race. I think as the season goes on, it's, it can get even tighter and tighter and tighter. We might can even see some new names get in there. But – Thus far, 20 games in, I like this race a lot. Obviously, I think Jokic runs away with this. But, man, Shea has an argument. Embiid has an argument for sure. Embiid has the narrative. I think they're going to be a little bit hesitant with Embiid unless he full throttly runs away with this because he got it last year and we saw the exit and the conversation. Did we rob Jokic? Should we just have given it to him? I think they're going to be a little cautious in that scenario. Um, But, damn, 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 damn. Um, Kevin Durant, top 10 scoring of all time list. Congrats to Kevin Durant. Uh, another guy that, you know, on a conversation I'm taking for granted, it's so easy to forget because of the talent that keeps coming into the league year in, year out. But man, these guys, these guys at the end, these are guys that we all, I was just saying, we all grew up on. Um, and I, I think social media has created this thing where when you're a fan of certain teams or you're pro this player, you're pro that player, you have to kind of be against. And there's so much negativity. But I I, I think a lot of people are going to look back on Kevin Durant's career and say, man, I took this dude for granted. I should have cared a little bit more when he was in the league. I should have really given him his flowers. I should have really dove in and, and, and appreciated his game while it was in front of my eyes. We're not going to get too many Kevin Durant's. I know guys come in and they're slender and they have certain mobility and they can hit jump shots like this and like that. But Kevin Durant, man, Kevin Durant was not only ahead of his time, but he created a new profound lane in the NBA. The reason these guys can come in at 6'9", 6'10", and be as thin and and still be given the ball and, and to have like, to be 6'10", you had to kind of be a power. That was a power forward's height wasn't like you know just guys on the perimeter going crazy no 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 Kevin Durant kind of made that a thing that's why you see guys come in year in and year out and it's like oh Kevin Durant Kevin Durant I can name a thousand guys that came after Kevin Durant that they compared him to whether it was Perry Jones the third from Baylor Austin Day from Gonzaga um what I, I think they tried to put that label on Dragon Bender. Um, it's probably even more. Chad Holmgren now. Um, Brandon Ingram, who is who is a successful player. But, like, there's just year in and year out, there's guys who have that thin frame, 6'10", long and skinny, and can score. And they're like, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. And since he's been in the league, we really haven't seen it. We really haven't seen it at all. Um, and I, I just think that, again, him reaching the top 10 all scoring, it just reminds me that, man, Kevin Durant is special. But he's also getting older, and he's also getting to that 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 road, that, that, that near the end road. So 
these last what four or five hopefully he got five, like five i would love if he had six more years in him but these last five or so years gotta lock in and appreciate it because before you know it guys are gone and they, they're never coming back again you know what i'm saying it, it's 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 actually uh it's actually kind of kind of sad when you think about it you know you look at somebody like carmelo carmelo anthony it's a guy that a lot of people didn't take for, for uh take a lot of people took for granted and now we ain't gonna never see Melo again. Now we have to just watch highlights. You can't just get up and say, "Oh man, let me go, just, let me go see what Melo is doing against the Wizards." Mm-mm. So much love to KD. Don't take that game for granted. Don't take any any of these guys' games for granted. I know we talk about it a lot with LeBron, but man, Kevin Durant, I think, is in the same same conversation. And then the last thing that I'll leave with is uh, Terrence Ross retirement. Man, Terrence Ross officially retired. Um, I love Terrence Ross when he was at Washington University going into the the NBA with the uh the Raptors. He was always a highlight guy. If you know 2K my team, Terrence Ross is a car you always had to have. But yeah, just just showing some love to T Ross, man. Um I think it's important to give flowers because the, the league has had so many incredible players, so many incredible talents. Guys like Terrence Ross often potentially can get lost in the shuffle of like remembering guys. So I just want to send some love to Terrence Ross. Um, also, yeah, before we get out of here, make sure y'all watching college basketball, man. College basketball has been exciting. This is an exciting weekend of upsets and just good basketball. I know this is also a college football championship week, but still, tune in to college basketball. We look like we have another exciting, fun year um, of chaos ahead of us. So make sure y'all tuning in. A lot of people always ask me, man, where do I start? What's a team that I should just I should watch to get into college basketball? College basketball isn't like the NBA where you have to follow a team. You know what I'm saying? Like you might figure out a team that you really like and you really support, but because it's changing year in and year out and guys are going to the NBA, new recruits are coming in, it's kind of hard to be like, man, I, this is my team that I love cuz this is how they play. Unless it's like Alabama and Nate Oates where you know that they're going to always shoot up threes and things like that. But for the most part, I would just say watch. Just watch it. Whatever's available available for you at the time that you're trying to watch, watch it. And you, you're going to see some good basketball. It's not going to be the NBA. It's not going to be the NBA. I think that's where a lot of y'all lose, lose yourselves at. It's not the NBA. That's the point. It's not the NBA. The NBA has some of the best talent. But when you talk about basketball and how it is played college basketball at times is better basketball than the nba you're going to see a lot a lot of different you're going to see zones and how to beat zones and full court pressing and you know team basketball and offense and you know different principles that you, in the nba guys are so talented it's just like move out the way let him work boom and I think a lot of youth people watch that and they try to emulate that when in reality, they should be trying to emulate college shit because when you get the high school level, middle school level. You're not about to get a Jason Tatum isolation. I don't give a f- I just no. It's not it's, it's not happening. Maybe in AAU. But you got to probably be a McDonald's All-American to, to have your coach be like here and you just do you not not really not really uh not really popping. So, yeah, watch college basketball. Um, I love y'all. Make sure, again, you are subscribed to this channel if you enjoy the type of content outside of the podcast. I also release weekly videos about the NBA, burning topics, reactions, whatever. Um, That's what we do. So make sure you subscribe and uh, be on the lookout. As always, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I'll see y'all next week. This is the Heliocentric Podcast. I am Pierre, PB the Plug, Andreessen. I'm out. Peace.